Sports Minutes with Elia Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Dank. And together with Ziaul Raushan, my man, uh, how's your half marathon timing? <laughs> <laughs> halfway there. Halfway, oh, halfway there. there. Again oh with the gosh. hard questions. I'm going to throw you one. Yeah. What's your idea of an ideal honeymoon? Ideal honeymoon. Uh, Both of us married men on this conversation, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know, a nice honeymoon to Europe. Okay. I always put your, I mean, my honeymoon was in Europe. Okay. So yeah, that's mine. Yours? Mine would be on a beach in Maldives, I guess. Just getting rid of the wedding stress. But yes, here we are talking about ideal honeymoons. We have on the call a man who opted to embark on a very interesting honeymoon. Oh. I'll allow him to spill the beans to us. Joining us on the call is So Rui Yong, who's a Singaporean national long-distance runner and a holder of six national records. Rui Yong, great to have you with us. How are you doing? Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, fantastic to be here. Um, the last time I was on the show was after the SEA Games, so uh, pretty cool to always be speaking with Money FM. Ryong, you've you've ran five thousand meters and ten thousand meters. What is that experience like? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's a love hate relationship, right? With these distances, five thousand meters for me, like people underestimate how painful it is. But if you're trying to run five thousand meters at your best possible ability you're hurting from like the first or second kilometer and you it's a really like because it's not slow it's only 5k you can really like push your body um but it's not exactly like short either um for long distances actually you, you have more time to settle in and enjoy the cruising along before the going gets really tough now Ruyong, you speak about love-hate relationships let's talk about your recent wedding and elliot and it's did earlier that honeymoon you decided to embark on please enlighten the listeners on what you decided to do Oh, well, I mean, I didn't really have much of a honeymoon and I think um, I'm going to have to make up for it over Christmas. But my wife, uh, Natasha, has been very understanding. So we we did our ROM in Singapore in September. And thereafter, three days after, I had to leave on a training, training camp. <laughs> so I had to go to Switzerland, train there for two weeks and in the mountains of St. Moritz. So beautiful experience. Um, just with my wife to be there, but she had her own obligations to fulfill. Um, so she couldn't join me. So yeah, I went there with uh, my with a training partner of mine, who was also my strength conditioning coach in the gym. So we had a good time, trained hard for two weeks, and came back to London. Continued the momentum, and eventually managed to have a good result in Valencia. So all about consistency. I I, I really wish we could talk to your wife because, <laughs> and then maybe you try and answer on her behalf, right? <laughs> the question I want to ask is, what's it like being married to such a competitive person, a person who's constantly training, training, training? <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, next time we'll definitely get my wife on the <laughs> radio. But um, yeah, I think definitely like, she's intrigued by it. I mean, the, when we first started dating, right? Like she didn't really know who I was. Um, I, I never once mentioned like I, I was a competitive runner. And she just knew me as you know this dude that had the craziness to walk up to her and say hi and ask for a number. So, <laughs> so I think that was the, the she, she didn't know very much about me. But you know, um, one day I was like, hey, um, I can't meet you, sorry. I'm gonna go for a run. She thought my run was like, you know, twenty minutes. So she, was, but then she was hanging out waiting for two hours. Then she was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, why is he running, running for so long? So until today, she tells her friends that story. She was like, no, the first time he asked me to wait for him while he went around, I thought it would be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, like a normal person. I was waiting around town for two hours. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Ruyong, at this point, I'm yeah. tempted to ask you, what's your 2.4 timing? Uh? 
My best time is six minutes and fifty seconds. Okay, well done. This yeah. interview will yeah. go on for a bit longer than that. You talked about training <laughs> in Saint Moritz. I have to congratulate you on breaking a couple of national records in Valencia as well. So, wedding national records, all going good for you at the moment. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Mm, yeah, nice. Some nice momentum. Um, I mean, it was nice to it was nice to break the half marathon record in Valencia because my previous half. Marathon record was from four years ago. That was in Houston. And on that day, really, everything clicked, you know. Like, I I had a good good weather that day, very flat course. And for long-distance races, it's very hard to do it by yourself. You kind of need, like, a good pack around you competing at the same effort. Because, you know, running three, ten, three minutes, ten seconds per kilometer by yourself wow. can feel hard. Mm-hmm. But when you're running surrounded by a group of people doing the same thing, no monkey see, monkey do. You feel a bit more relaxed and you feel more com- confident in your own ability because everyone else is doing it. So it helps to distract yourself from the pain a little bit. So I, I haven't, and then COVID hit, so I lost 2020, 2021. Last year when I came back, I kind of forgot how to race a half marathon properly. It was probably extremely difficult to to even like to race properly for 21K. I was like, well, I don't know how I used to do it, man. Like, no, this is a fast pace, but for 21K. So I... I managed, after COVID, I managed to set personal best at 5, 10, and full marathon. But the half marathon, I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, well, neither here nor there. Like, it's fast yet long. So, finally, being able to execute it and run a bit faster than the last time shows that the last time wasn't a fluke. And for, for that, I'm quite grateful. We're going to talk a little bit about your life in the UK in just a sec. Um, but, Ryong, um, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. I, w- I wonder how much the answer changes as as you mature why do you run? I think you're absolutely right that the answer changes. So, first of all, I ran. Uh, in primary school, I ran to get to the ball because I uh football and basketball. Okay. Secondary school, I got recruited into the cross-country team. So, I ran because, you know, it's, you have to attend CCA training. Plus, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed my teammates, um, enjoyed the team atmosphere. Being part of a sports team for the first time was kind of cool. So I enjoyed that. And anytime it was more fun than studying. <laughs> uh, and then when I went on to JC, that's when I took it a bit more seriously when I met Coach Stephen Quack. And he kind of um, counseled, counseled me that, you know, I have talent in this. And I, if I wanted to go far, it's not just about showing up for training, but what you do outside of training, you know, like whether you're doing your recovery, whether you're sleeping, getting enough sleep so you can come to school, pay attention in class. And give your best in training. So I think that's what uh, did uh, a mindset shift uh, in terms of approaching the sport with more professionalism. Okay. And then I had army, didn't really um, train consistently while in the army. But after army, when I was in university, I was able to come out and you know really approach it like a professional would, like in that mindset. So I didn't really, I wasn't necessarily making money like a professional would when I was in uni, but I was approaching it with that professional mindset, you know, running, Every day, sometimes twice a day, you know, taking a day off only after only like one or two weeks. Mm. And then when I'm when I'm in training, you know, it's like focus, you know, what do you eat? What time do you sleep? Um, if training starts at, let's say, 8 a.m., try and get there, 7, 15 a.m. So you have appropriate time to warm up. So you when the training starts, you are not just, you, you, your body is ready to go. I mean, all these are very, very small things that add up into a big, uh, bigger piece of the puzzle. So, really- yeah, it was... You talk about that mindset, that growth, that changing perceptions of running, right? I want to talk about maturity slightly. Without getting into too much detail, you faced some frustrations in recent times, but you've made a conscious choice 
to channel it in a fruitful way and still go out and break national records. Have you always been this sort of a person or is that come with age, marriage, possibly? <laughs> um, I think you're right that with age comes definitely a bit more experience, a bit more maturity. I think I've always been a bit like that. Like when setbacks come my way, I can use it to feel something positive, but it's also very easy to get drowned in the negativity of it. Mm. Like, you feel sorry for yourself, get angry, um, respond in a way that's not productive, um, respond in a way that's spiteful. As someone who, I mean, all, all of us will go through challenges in life and all of us have a choice in how we want to respond. And many times we might respond in a way that's not productive because that's just human. If everyone if everyone was, <laughs> we're not all white knights, you know, we, we can't all make the, the, the perfect choice all the time. But as far as possible, you know, when negative things happen, like, yes, sure, wallow in a bit of misery, but take, take a step back and think, you know, what's the best way I can get myself out of this? What's the best, like, how can I use this to turn my narrative for the better? Because at the end of the day, stories are interesting when you go through ups and downs. Mm. Nobody wants to read a story where the main character is always like, perfect, 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 perfect. It gets kind of boring after a while. Um, I, I appreciate yeah. that exactly and you said yeah. white knight I can only think of dark knight and the quote why do we fall right we need to pick ourselves up yeah. even yeah. more right yeah. so excellent yeah, perspective yeah, cool. I thought we were talking running but clearly we're talking philosophy as well <laughs> I mean many of these like good writers like Haruki Murakami mm. he does a lot of running mm. um, I think I'm forgetting this other guy the guy who wrote The Tipping Point Malcolm Gladwell yes he's also uh, quite quite into running so there, there is some good when you're running just you and yourself. I mean, some people might want to listen to music, listen to podcasts, yeah. whatever. But if you just, most of us just run and you enter a very meditative mindset, mm. uh, meditative state when you're running because it's just you hearing your body, pushing your body to new to new limits um, or just cruising along. And it gives a lot of time for self-reflection and introspection, which I think is quite why there's, there are many similarities between running and meditation and philosophy. That's that's really well put, uh, Rayong, and and that's the beauty of sport, right? Every different sport has that serenity that it brings you to. Let's talk a little bit about what you're up to right now. What are you doing in the UK, and what new challenges are you facing? Well, uh, it's my final year of law school, so I'm due to graduate in May. So not not too long left. Before you know it, it's Christmas break, and then come back. We'll have three more months of classes, and then a month break to study for exams, and then bang exams. So. Everything's going to happen pretty quickly. On my part, I'm actually getting ready for some big races while doing the exams. So uh, I've been doing it for the last couple of years. And um, my my classmates are usually, when I speak to them, they're a little bit in awe because, I mean, I am a little bit older than them. So I think I'm yeah. a bit more calm when it comes to pressurizing situations. But they're the age where they panic when they when they have exams and stuff. They're like, oh, we don't know how you do it. Like, how, how come you can balance so many things with, with law school? I'm like... I don't know how to tell you this, but you know you don't like don't you don't have to study that hard. Like you just study <laughs> a bit smarter. You yeah. know, like focus on the things that. Um, yeah, I think I think it just comes to experience. You know, like you don't have to study every page of every textbook. Uh, but there are some of them who tr- who try and do that. And you know, at the end of the day, it's it's what you want to prioritize in life. You know, we we can't be perfect in everything. Yeah. Um, if you want to spend more time taking care of your body and training hard and being physically fit, the time is going to come from somewhere. And if you want to spend ten hours a day studying, that time is going to come from somewhere. So it's all about 
uh, being a bit more having a bit more of a balance, which I think I do observe that in um, UK work culture in general. Mm, 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 People tend to finish work five, five thirty, come out to the track and train in Singapore. You know, we, we wear like a badge of honor that we. Oh, I worked until eight or nine o'clock in the office <laughs> last night. You know, that kind of stuff. Not not that it doesn't happen in in certain industries or certain jobs in London. I'm sure that if you went into a really heavy investment banking or consulting mm. job, they could end a bit later. But in general, like I have a friend who works in consulting, Samuel Gabrielasi, he works in LEK Consulting. I see him at the track every so often, and he's this season he ran very low, fourteen for five, like fourteen zero eight or something, which is almost thirty seconds faster than my PB, and he works full time. So. I think there's there's just that bit more like work life balance yeah. that I observe here, which I think we could use a bit of to, you know, you work one less hour. I don't think it's gonna make that much of an impact on your work, mm. but that one extra hour, if you exercise one hour a day compared to zero, that makes a huge, huge um, impact on your daily life and your and your health. So, okay. I think, yeah, balance, diminishing returns and balance. I think is the way I see. Don't give Elliot ideas to walk out of the studio while we're recording this. Now, Ruyong, not going to lie, there's excellent perspective from a working culture, but you're an athlete, you're a Singaporean athlete, and I have to ask you this, when you do leave the UK, if there's one thing you can bring from their sporting culture back home to Singapore, to our listeners, what would it be? I think, I, I don't think it's that easy. You know, like, I think the entire ecosystem is quite nice, which I, which I think I... I've spoken about this before, but when I first came to the UK, I had no idea how vibrant the club scene was. You know, it, like how you have multiple leagues in football. Mm. There are multiple leagues in cross country here. Mm. So when when the UK club started noticing that there's a Singaporean guy came here and like not bad, not a bad runner, not top, not top top by any means in terms of UK standards, but quite a strong runner. There were, there were multiple clubs trying to get me to sign with them to to run cross country for them, which I thought was super cool because. I was like, oh wow, like, and then when I ran cross country, it's like, wow, you know, I was in Division Two last year. There's like 300 runners per race, and we did well enough. We won the league in Division Two. We got promoted to Division One, and then now we are fighting the big boys, fighting relegation. So it's it's exciting, and it makes for a very communal feel. Everybody wants to show up and do it for the team. Um, it helps that the weather is probably it, it can get quite cold, but it's gen- in general a bit more conducive for long distance running, which makes it more fun. But you know, I think. There is that acceptance and emphasis on physical fitness and community and health uh, and sports, which unfortunately I think Singapore we don't we haven't developed that love and culture of appreciation for sports, uh, partly because we have spent so many years chasing material goods and you know, sports. Sports gives you a lot of benefits, but not necessarily like uh, riches and material material benefits. And you know, in Singapore, we have chased you know finance, we've chased engineering, we've chased um, professions, and in the UK, maybe they are more developed as a society, so they could afford to indulge a little bit more in recreational things like sports. I think that I mean that's just a theory, but you know, Singapore it sounds like you know, um, Minister Edwin Tong, MCCY, you always see they're trying to push these um, things and trying to grow a sports ecosystem, and you know. It'll take some time, um, but till then, it's quite unfortunate because you often see that our best athletes cannot just stay in Singapore and train. They have to get out, like Joseph Schooling. Um, Loken Yu is traveling quite a lot. I, I'm having like some of the best races of my life now that I'm basing myself overseas. And it's very hard to re- re- recreate that in Singapore because even if I bring my own work ethic back, um, it helps to be training with 10 other guys rather mm. than doing it alone. Yeah. You know? So, yeah.
Difficult, difficult. Well, perspective for sure, and one we should all think about. We've been speaking with Singapore National Long Distance Runner, So Ryong. Ryong, appreciate your time. Thanks for Thank everything. you so much, guys. Thank you. Sports Minutes on Money FM 89.3.